This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth planners and investment managers who offer unwavering support in challenging times. Visit CanDoWealth.com for more information. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's Daily and today, more than daily, politics podcast. Now, Liz Truss has started to form her government and we have seen the initial cull. I think the, the word there is probably Sunak. If you backed Sunak, then you had a very high chance of being culled. Perhaps a 100% chance will go through there. And then we've also had a sense of the main appointments in terms of the great office of state. Kwasi Kwarteng is Chancellor. Therese Coffey is Deputy Prime Minister and Health Secretary. Subella Braverman is Home Secretary and James Cleverly is Foreign Secretary. Just to begin, can you talk us through, Isabel, who has left government? So, to no one's surprise, Dominic Raab has left government. Maybe to Dominic Raab's surprise. To Dominic Raab, well, yes, but potentially. He did describe Truss's economic plans as an electoral suicide note. So... That wasn't a big surprise. Grant Shapps, another Rishi Sunak supporter. Uh, Steve Barclay, another Rishi Sunak supporter. Andrew Stevenson, probably a little bit more of a surprise in, in some senses, although prime ministers do like to have their, their own people in as chairs of the, of the party. All of those figures are out. And as you said in your introduction, Katie, the common theme there is generally that if you supported Rishi Sunak, you are not staying in this government. And so you then move to looking at who she has appointed in the the great offices of state, or at least the the big sort of priority departments. They're mostly her mates, actually, people who she sees eye to eye with on policy and ideology, but also Kwasi Kwarteng, who is the Chancellor, is her neighbour in Greenwich. He's someone she's worked with over many, many years. Therese Coffey, the Deputy Prime Minister, is one of her closest friends in Parliament. Is that a bad thing? It's not a bad thing to have people who you really trust, particularly when you're pursuing an economic strategy, for instance, um, that is going to attract quite a lot of criticism or when you're trying to get your health secretary to tackle the NHS backlog and so on. But it also does open her up to accusations from her critics in the party, of which there are many, that this is a sort of a chums reshuffle and that she's not reaching out. James, let's dissect those appointments. So to begin, I think Kwasi Kwarteng, the new Chancellor. Now, as Isabel said, good friends with Liz Truss. They both live in Greenwich. They are two as authors of Britannia Unchained. What does he mean for the Treasury? Is he more relaxed on debt than Rishi Sunak? Yeah, so I mean, essentially, the the calculation that Liz Truss and Kwasi Kwarteng make is that the markets will accept higher borrowing during this period of what she called tax cuts and reform, but are, as he set out in his FTPs, designed to boost the trend growth rate of the UK economy to 2.5%. Now, I think that if, you, if it was... We are now on the fourth Conservative Prime Minister trying to boost the trend growth rate of the economy. So far, none of them have succeeded. So I think that, that is a note of caution. I think one of the other interesting differences from Kwasi Kwarteng is he is a, a, a big bazooka man. And I mean, you can see his fingerprints on this plan on the energy prices, for example. You know, remember, he was Business and Energy Secretary as the job before becoming Chancellor. And essentially, I think what they are prepared to do is just borrow a lot of money to try and freeze the energy price in the hope that this would give them time and space to do everything else. I mean, the calculation is if you didn't do something mega on energy, but that could just end up kind of consuming the government over the coming months. So it's to give them time and space So on that. 
James Purbley, I think, is a very interesting appointment because Foreign Secretary is a, is a kind of classic post that you can use to try and pull a party back together after a, a leadership contest. She could have used it to reward one of the other leadership contenders who came over to her in the final round. I think Tom Tugendhat, Chair of the Foreign Affairs Select Committee, Penny Morden, former Defence Secretary. Or you could have done something kind of unexpected. You could have brought back a grandee such as Jeremy Hunt. Instead, she's appointed someone who was one of her junior ministers at the Foreign Office. And I think what that tells you is that she wants continuity in foreign policy. She wants to carry on with the line on Ukraine, toughen the line on China in a way that she couldn't do when Boris Johnson was Prime Minister. And she wants someone who's going to follow her thinking on the protocol and remember how important that issue was to her in the, in the parliamentary rounds. Then there is a sort of Bradman appointment. And I think, mean, as, as, you, as you've written, Katie, I mean, this is interesting because this is someone else who ran for the leadership, backed Liz Truss. And I think the general view was that when she backed Liz Truss, it was clear that she was going to become Home Secretary after that. And I think what's interesting here is, you know, she in the leadership contest was very vocal about the need to leave the European Convention on Human Rights. Now, that is a big fight for any government to take on, but especially a government that has only got two years of its term left, is having to deal with all of these other challenges. But I think that Bella Rodman will carry on being quite outspoken on that front. And Liz Truss and the leadership contest didn't rule it out, but she also didn't kind of lean into it as a position. So I think, I think watch to see how hard Suella Bradman pushes on that question. And Isabel, let's talk about Therese Coffey. Now, we know that she's a close ally of Liz Truss. Um, the Deputy Prime Minister role leans towards that. The fact that she was the first in shows the importance, almost sending a signal that she is more important to this government than the Chancellor, Kwasi Kwarteng. But on health, do we have any sense of what we should expect from her? Not really, no. I mean, we know what Liz Truss's priorities for her are because she named them in her speech in, in Downing Street. She said that she wanted people to be able to get an appointment with their GP and get the treatment that they need. The second being a reference, obviously, to the backlog in elective treatment with currently, I think, over six million people on NHS waiting lists. How she's going to achieve that is... Not clear yet. It was not at all elaborated upon in the leadership campaign. I've bored coffee house shots listeners senseless with my rants about how impossible it would be to do the uh, reforms to middle management that Trust talked about during the contest. But beyond that, we really don't know. Is, for instance, Therese Coffee going to address the situation with GPs' pensions, which makes it um, advantageous for them to retire early? If she does that, then that might be one way of keeping more GPs and ensuring that people have a greater chance of seeing their GP and in a shorter time frame than three weeks. How are they going to deal with the workforce crisis in the NHS? Is Therese Coffey going to acknowledge that actually the backlog was building before the pandemic? This is not a COVID backlog. It has definitely been exacerbated by COVID, but their waiting lists were already going south long before COVID was, was a problem. I think one of the things about Coffey is that she is a real details person. You know, she's, she really got under the skin of things at DWP. She was perfectly happy to have cabinet fights with people like Rishi Sunak over things like the £20 universal credit uplift. So I think we will see her trying to get under the skin of a very complex policy area, which I don't think the toys have really given that much proper thought to for, for quite a while, actually. 
Now, Ben Wallace has been reconfirmed as Defence Secretary. When it comes to, I suppose, new figures opening appointments, James, we have the first ever female Conservative Chief Whip in Wendy Morton. Now, this is part of an attempt by Liz Truss, I think, to try and make things... Perhaps one of the criticisms of the previous operation was a bit macho. They had a list that they were going through. Do we know much about Wendy Morton or how this is going to work? So I think this is an interesting appointment because, as Isabel has written, you know, it is obviously meant to draw a contrast. Remember that the previous administration, Boris Johnson was essentially brought down by the, the shenanigans of the, dep- the male deputy chief whip. Now... And I think they will hope for, you know, that the, the, the female chief whip will suggest they're going to move away from some of that kind of behavioural issue. I think, though, as well as right to say this, there's, there's, there is a structural challenge here because the whip's office is both the HR function and the discipline function. And it has never worked out which of those ones takes precedence. And however much, however many good intentions there are that the HR function will take precedence, often the kind of party discipline one at key moments ends up overwhelming the HR function. I think we wait to see whether the problem can be solved. And also, you know, there was a lot of talk about at the end of, after Chris Pincher had to, to, to lost the Conservative whip, but, you know, that there, were, that there were more such problems to come. I mean, we wait to see whether that is the case. And also, I think there will be a question for Wendy Morton is, you know, how proactive does she wish to be in terms of trying to change some of the cultural issues in Westminster? Or is this going to be a kind of firefighting approach? Now, the indication ahead of these appointments was always that Liz Truss was going to reward her supporters, and that has borne out to be the case so far. But in the junior ministerial ranks, there is more room for manoeuvre, and you can start to see more Sunak supporters brought in, provided they're not seen as being too confrontational. T's and C's apply. Isabel, do you think that means tomorrow, actually, when we expect those appointments could be more important in terms of party discipline? or Yes, particularly given we basically knew most of these appointments that we've just discussed already. I think, the, as you say, the more junior ministerial roles will start to show whether she's paid heed to some of the, the warnings from party grandees that she needs to unite the party, presumably by, by giving them jobs, but by giving former Sunak supporters jobs. At the moment, it's looking like a, you know, a very loyal reshuffle. And with that, we'll be back tomorrow with more updates Perhaps. And with some good coffee, James is hoping as well. James, can you just talk us through the coffee manoeuvre? Are you trying to get someone to sponsor our podcast who provides no, coffee? I, I, because I, I think I, you might have to spell out your intention a bit more. All I, all I care about is the regular provision of coffee at the coffee house shops. I feel this is an important issue, not up there with the reshuffle in terms of the future direction of the country, but in terms of our kind of, you know, uh, bad, bad, our energy levels, I think it is vital. Okay, if you, if you ha- do have coffee you'd like to donate to us, do get in touch. Thank you, Isabel. Thank you, James. And thank you for listening. It's crunch time for Liz Truss. Subscribe in our flash sale to mark the announcement of the new Prime Minister and get the next 10 weeks of The Spectator in print and online for just £1. There's no commitment, you can cancel at any time. Hurry though, this offer runs for this week only. Go to www.spectator.co.uk slash sale.